well. So. Oh, nice. Guys, I saw that you also been in California too, uh, selling ice cream. Yeah. That was in your bio. Well, if it makes you feel any better, uh, uh, my first one that I did of this, I mean, I played games and stuff, but the first time I actually had an interview, luckily it was a guy I've known for a long, long time, Brian Freeman. Um, he's up from in Minnesota. Does, he does the, He's currently doing the Jason Bourne novels. Um, so luckily we knew each other because two days before I had tested everything else, make sure I was ready for this. Two days before I tripped over my head jack. And so when I pulled up, I actually broke it off right at the USB thing. So I had to get a new headphone, got everything going. I was like, I've already tested everything. I know everything's working right. I get up. He and I are talking back and forth. He can hear me. I can hear him. We're having this entire conversation. It was my first one, so I didn't really have an audience at all to speak of. Um, and apparently nobody bothered to say anything. I had the audio from the Zoom meeting Instead of going into the default settings, which would allow me to record it, it was going directly into my headset. Oh, nice. So we had an entire conversation. Nobody could hear him. Everybody could hear me. And nobody said a thing. <laughs> like I said, luckily, I've known him forever. Um, so, that you know, that's not his only impression of me. <laughs> As this guy who had an entire interview with him and then didn't post it anywhere because we could only hear half of it. Um, I've also learned that I also record the Zoom stuff now, too. So if any reason my Twitch recording, the audio is messed up, I've got a backup. Yeah. Because uh, I hadn't done that before. And I was just like, it was it was a little bit embarrassing. Just a wee bit. Heck of a way to I was it. freaking out at NASA. It took like seriously 20 minutes before we figured out this ridiculous way of working things. And I mean, it's like 20 minutes of intense sweating. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. I, mean, I feel like you've got to feel bad when you work at NASA and you can't figure out how to get the audio to work. I'm just. Yep. Like, should, shouldn't somebody here know how to do this? Well, they used Microsoft Teams or whatever. It's like, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to admit, we use Teams <clears throat> for work and it's great for me as a chat tool, just chatting back and forth, sending messages. I have never been a fan of it for video uh, conferencing it's what we use but yeah now i do get it too to a certain extent like for instance zoom this is not my full-time job you and i can be on zoom together for free uh but if you want to go past 40 minutes and you have more than two people you got to pay for the full thing so yeah i used to describe there was a time where there were so many online things at the beginning of the pandemic I, I paid the 20 bucks a month so i could get i i tried to do discord with jen lyons um just because her book was she's gonna hate me for this i always get the the in the wrong place i think it was the discord of gods now that i say that i want to say it's the discord of the gods but anyhow <laughs> it, it, discord was in the name so we tried to do a discord one and we couldn't hear each other at all we finally gave up and switched over to zoom so i started a little late on that one yeah, I had a Discord thing once, and there was a like a good maybe like six second delay. Oh, that's horrible! It was horrible, and like we'd talk over each other all the time because yeah, and the the face would move with the sound. It was just bad. Yeah, my <coughs> real job is a customer support job, and there's nothing worse than having a delay when you're trying to have a conversation with somebody. Yep. See some people. Looks like some people are popping in. So yeah. 
I'm not going to let this countdown go all the way down. I started it a little late. Um, so those of you who are wondering why you're looking at a stack of books with a countdown, yeah, I just always start this off. Um, and then in a minute or two here, we're going to go ahead and go live. I will run the intro. In fact, you know, there's, like I said, there are some people popping in already. So let's go ahead and get it started. I'm going to run the intro. So you are not going to hear uh, Mr. Nouvelle or I for a moment. Sorry, I got a new toy. Got to try it out, see how this works. Welcome to the channel. My name is Edward, also known as Griftkin here on Twitch. If you look down below, there's a little heart-shaped button. That is the follow button, so go ahead and feel free to click on that. Helps you find me later. Uh, also, there is a subscribe button. I'm not a big fan of asking for money. However, if you do have an Amazon Prime subscription, you do get a free Twitch subscription you can use once a month. If you want to use that on me and help me, uh, you know, pay for my book habit, I would appreciate that. If you're watching this later on YouTube, uh, down below there is the subscribe button. Uh, as opposed to Twitch, uh, subscribe doesn't cost you anything on YouTube. That is their version of the follow button. So feel free to go ahead and click on that. And also, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, if you liked it, hit the like. That'll also help other people find it. I do appreciate that. All right. Uh, not right now, but if you also want to click on the about button back again on Twitch, it'll give you all of the links to all of the different social media which would also lead you to the YouTube channel uh, where all of these interviews will be put up about 24 hours after the Twitch stream. Come on in. Hope you enjoy it. And I hope everybody has a nice day. All right. So that concludes the pre-ramble, as I like to call it. We're here today, and I say we, you know, loosely, are here today with Sylvain Nouvelle. I feel like that has to be pronounced, you know, with a French accent to be said correctly. However, I'm not going to punish anybody with my horrible French accent. Uh, about the best I can do is stupid Americans, but you know that's that's not here to there. Um, so I had got started with you way, way back when Sleeping Giants came out. It was a book club book for us. Unfortunately, I was also working two jobs at the time, and like I said, it wasn't a book club, so I did not get to finish that series. I'm going to have to get back to it because I just did your new series. Until the Last of Me is the second book in the series, just dropped last month. And of course, I wanted to do start from the beginning, so I listened to both of them. And I told everybody that I know I am not a fan of historical fiction, but I loved this book. And as I as I pointed out to you the other day, I actually kind of consider it historical science fiction. And I think one of the things that I loved that you did for this book is that a lot of historical fiction tries to force the characters on the stage of the world unless it's one of those behind the scenes power brokers things, you know, the, the people behind the Kings and yours, the, you actually kind of hid them. So even though they touch base to a certain extent with certain historical people, it's not like you feel like, well, you know, if, if that would have happened, people would have known because they're very much trying to stay out of the spotlight. Yeah. They, they do marry some historical figures even every now and then, but they, they don't make a lot of, of noise if possible. What really impressed me on this, um, I've seen people do the historical fiction before where like 
okay, I'm, I'm going to throw this one under the bus because, you know, I'm not a fan, but, you know, like Lincoln, Vam- Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Slayer, you know, it, but, but they take it and they put it in a piece of history. It's like, you know, this is the time frame. Your stories, especially when you go back, uh, and I'm not going to do any spoiler stuff, but let's just say it's about a group of people that each generation has a number. And currently, I think the current one is the 100, or at least when we start in book one. Is that correct? Uh, what? I'm sorry? Oh, uh, currently, you start with, the, is it the 100 or is it the 99 that starts? The 99 in the first book. First book yeah. 99. Um, but you actually do a little backdrop, or you go back and talk about some of the other generations. And of course, again, they call them by numbers. Your historical breadth on some of these, where I'm like, wait, did that really happen? I had to go look it up. Is history be- is an, is that an obsession for you? <clears throat> oh, really? I just have my light on. No wonder I look so dark there. Um, is history an obsession for you, or is this something that you had to look up because you wanted to put the story in that setting? No, I know nothing. I mean, I <laughs> I wish I knew stuff. I wish I could write what I know. It's just. You know, you you hear about the you know actual police officers who write detective novels, and God, I wish I could do that, but <clears throat> I don't know anything fun. So it's just research, reading, 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 reading. And for this series, I uh, it has a lot in common with uh, for all mankind on Apple TV. For those who've seen it, uh, it it actually starts with a the their premise is that the space race was won by the Russians. They got to the moon first, and then it changes the way things happen afterwards. And they take actual events from from the space race, but they sort of reorganize them and they mess with them in all sorts of ways, because what they're doing is sort of an alternate timeline. I didn't want to do that. My the result of these women messing with history is the history we know. And so every single thing in there happened and it happened when it happened, which was also a problem because I had to have time issues with the plot at some point. Uh, so you, you, you kind of have to go with where things are and, and pick the right events so you can get things moving. And uh, but yeah, it's just endless amount of reading. Uh, but I enjoy it, though. I have an academic background. Uh, a little bit. I looked at your bio. Yeah, you've you've got a little bit of a, a little bit of a background there. Yeah, and I don't know if it's you know habits I picked up doing the PhD, but I I really love reading stuff that has nothing to do with what I'm doing. The <clears throat> even the idea for this series sort of came reading completely random things about fish, and interesting. And yeah. actually, now that you say that, I remember a few things, but. Uh... Yeah, I would not have necessarily taken the fish story and had it lead to what you ended up writing. Yeah, it's talking about the fish in the books, though. Yeah, I do. Uh, It's one of those things, too. I mean, people say, you know, if it's not essential to the plot, don't put it in. Well, I don't know if it's really cool. I'll put it in. Uh, If I learn something nice and I want you to learn it, too. And and, uh, uh, that's in there. Uh, But for the longest time, I'd wanted to write characters that could span millennia and didn't know how to do it <laughs> didn't want to write immortals because then it's the same person just super old and grumpy and like i don't know i i didn't want to i didn't know how to do it and, and do it justice and then i read about this fish uh it's called the amazon molly lives in texas and they uh they trick 
a male of a species that resembles them and he's into sleeping with them. And so the male's like, ooh, yeah. And, uh, but then they, uh, they pass on all their genes to uh, their offspring and none of the male genes. So they're all female and they're all genetic copies of each other. There are no male Amazon mollies. And if you pick one at random, it's more or less genetically at least the same fish. So I thought this is amazing. I could, I can have my cake and, and eat it and, and have it again. And uh, because I can have characters that span millennia that are essentially the same in many, many ways, but also who were born at different times, you know, go through different lives, different eras with different values. And, and like all of that shapes them into being their own person, despite being a copy of the previous one. And that gave rise to this series. Which I love too, because you think about it, um, you didn't go, you didn't write quote unquote the story, but you kind of did. It's every teenager feels like your parents have no idea what it was like to be your age. And yet it seems like every one of the, as you go through from the 99 to the 100, et cetera, almost all the teenagers are feeling the exact same way about their parents as each generation goes on. But you're boring. You stick to the rules. You've never done anything fun. You never, you know, I want to be my own person. And then, you know, next generation, it, it replay. It's right back to where we started. It was one of the fun things to to play with with this with this series because we uh we do it too, right? When we grow up, I'm not going to turn into my parents, and then boom, we all do. And uh, but it takes that whole struggle to be your own thing takes a whole different meaning if you're a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy and, and you know you know you look like your mom and you you know your children will look exactly like you and they'll be you know the same height and at the same age and so it, this idea of of like building your own personality is is sort of same that as what everyone else is feeling just on steroids uh, and it was super fun to write can imagine the one thing i found interesting at the end of the second book i literally thought that was a perfect ending to the series but it's dark I, I listened to the the little part that you did afterwards um for anybody who doesn't know i read the i, I listened to the audiobooks on this one uh, aren't they great they are they were good um I, I love the fact too i'm not usually a huge audiobook fan i do do it sometimes just to Usually not something for something I'm going to do a chat on, but something to fall asleep to, that type of thing. Just, you know, something to do when I'm doing other stuff and I don't have to really pay attention to it too much. But I think one of the things that really turned for your book, um, and Jen Lyons kind of had a little bit of the same thing where she had different people for different parts, but it was just like a narrator and two points of view. So it was just like three people. Your books, they got, I mean, they got a whole cast in there to do every... Because I remember listening to the first one and somebody's going back and forth. I'm like, wow, she's really good at doing different voices. And like, no, that was a guy. <clears throat> that was a guy reading that part. Um, so I think it was much more entertaining. And I think it's also one of the things you have sometimes with books, not with yours. Um, although some of your characters do change names occasionally just because they're trying to, again, hide. Um, but I always knew who was talking, which I, which I loved. It made, I think, the audiobooks much easier to follow along. But then I got a little bit to the end there, and I can't find anything online. But you did mention at the very end of book two, 
about book three. And I'm thinking, where the heck is he going to go from here? And I can't ask that without, you know, getting spoilers. <laughs> because I feel like, you know, book one and book two were very, like a continuation of the very same story. Um, I feel like with how book two ends, book three's got to be something completely different. Yeah, they're well. I think the first two books are also pretty different. And if you read my first series, every all three books are very different from one another. I I don't like. I I, I write for fun. I mean, mostly I, I get paid for it. But I if it wasn't fun, I wouldn't do it. And I don't <laughs> I don't like writing the same book twice. So <clears throat> I write different things. I like to change the pace, change the the mood. Uh, so I think there's a lot of a lot more levity in, in places in book two than there is in book one it's not quite as dark it's set in the 70s so i tried to go with the mood a little bit uh the the ending it was yeah i kind of liked the way it ended uh but there, there has to be a third book for one thing we've never met the one right we don't know how this all started uh because the knowledge or at least a good chunk of it was lost uh over time around the 11 uh and uh so i had i had to tell the story of the one and there's this relationship between the kipsu and the tracker that has basically shaped their entire lives for 3200 years that that has an origin and we learned that but it also needs an end they it's it comes to its i think its natural conclusion and we do learn where it all started and uh so i'm, I'm pretty happy with book three actually yeah, i'm not i couldn't find a name for it i couldn't find a could be published date thing is there any without spoiling anything is there any information on this book we were actually saving this for later just because it comes out i think april 18 2023 okay i might be off a day or two but uh, and we were going to announce it later, but uh, a certain bookstore that rhymes with uh, Farns and Fobel uh, was having a 25% sale on pre-orders, and they included the book. And suddenly we had to tell people, it's on until tomorrow, I think. Uh, and so we, yesterday I put something online that to talk about it and say, oh, by the way, that's the book. Uh, and it is called, for the first time, again gotcha okay yeah because i tried looking up uh take them to the stars book three today and i couldn't find diddly on it but maybe google just hasn't had time to uh yeah there's a there's a like an empty goodreads page for it and uh macmillan as of today now has a thing for it too because we had to to talk about it but <laughs> sorry sorry they snuck your uh thunder out of there it's like okay i was i had a plan for that but it's uh, okay never big a been a huge fan of like three days from now we'll have a huge reveal and it's like a title it's not the end of the world i mean you'll yeah yeah but i'm sure you get like the blank cover so far i'm sure they haven't figured the cover art out or have or, or is it that far you have the cover mm -hmm. art and everything uh well they might have something almost done i haven't seen it though oh, right now all i've seen is the cover to come or yeah gotcha. okay well here uh breaking news <laughs> Speaking uh, of the audiobook, though, I've been so lucky. All my novels are full cast. Gotcha. Yeah, I read Sleeping Giants. I did. I wasn't really into audiobooks back then. Um, but knowing that, I may do the audiobooks for the last two because I 
now that I've read these two and I've loved them so much, I remember liking Sleeping Giants, but it was like it was like when it first came out in paperback. That's when it was because um, you know it's a book club and not everybody can you know afford to spend money on hardcovers no. every 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 month. Um, but yeah, we read that one like I said when it first dropped in paperback. So it has been quite a while. I I, I was so happy too, and when they when this series came out, they sort of teased that it might be possible. And I didn't know if they actually managed to do it, but they did. They found a mother and daughter to an actual real life mother and daughter to voice the mother and daughter. It's amazing. I remember because I remember them talking about it because they kind of like a mini interview with them at the end of uh, the audio book. And it was, I also thought it was kind of fun because they had such different voices. And of course, I mean, these are professional readers. They could have been making up those voices, but it sounded like they really had two completely you know, accents and everything like that. Um, I, they do sound completely different. And it's funny because the, well, the Jilly Bond who voices Sarah in the first book, the mother, voices Mia, the daughter, who's now older in the second book, because they would have the same voice at the same age, right? And uh, her, her daughter, uh, Imogen, voices uh, Lola, Mia's daughter. But it, it's interesting because uh, they, they they give each character their own thing and, and they work together on, on, you know, on the first book. So they, they, they know, uh, you know, like uh, Julie, who voiced the mother, knows what kind of tone and voice and, and personality the daughter had in the first book. So she's incorporating some of that in her rendition for the second one. It's super interesting. Yeah, it's great for the continuity as well, too. Yeah. Um, you did talk about the difference in tone. Uh, for anybody who hasn't read the book yet, we do have to understand that the first book was set during Hitler. Um, so, so the tone, by necessity, would not be quite as, I don't want to say happy-go-lucky because of everything they go through. But, you know, uh, in the second book, the, the teenager is worried about parties and friends. Uh, you know, the first book, you're more worried about sur- surviving this thing. Uh, but again, the fact, like I said, I love the fact that you go all over the place. And I also love the fact that you do the little thing at the end on the audiobooks. Again, I didn't receive the, uh, the print copies on these ones. So I don't know if all that information is there that you actually no, reading. I love hearing about the little, like I said, the stories that you came out with. Uh, the story about the Molly was in book one at the end, you talked about. Yeah. Um, and some of the other stuff that you've run across. I really loved, I, I could, I could kind of see it coming. I won't spoil anything. But I, I really loved, I knew exactly what was going to happen when when the lady came out and they were all chanting, the girls were chanting around the guy who was trying to take the taxes. Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, I know. Because knowing, again, knowing that the, you know, the science and the math and everything is like, now I know why she had him come back in nine years. I, I knew, I saw exactly what was coming. Um, Aglaoni, sir. Aglaoni K of Thessaly. Yeah, the, you, the stuff, though, that you had to research and go through and then figure out and you did a great job. I'm going to tell everybody that right now. But the fact that you got all this historical stuff and made it fit the narrative, this book, this book will make you accidentally learn things. Yeah. But, but, you know, I love doing this stuff. I mean, I, I, I just reading about all these historical figures and like, especially in the early days of, of astronomy where, you know, they're looking at stars, but they don't know what, what it is they're looking at. It could be, you know, giant muffins or flashlights or whatever they don't know but yet they they do make like significant discoveries these people were geniuses with just little nothing to go on uh 
with. Uh, and it was so much fun reading about all of them. I mean, I could have done that and, and just never written a book. I, uh, but the, the, yeah, the amount of time I spent reading for this is ridiculous. If my editor, or at least if my agent knew, he would probably come over and, and beat the hell out of me. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if this book too, so, took so long. Um, I also love, though, the fact, again, I'm trying to avoid spoilers in case somebody hasn't read this. You'll, you'll, you'll figure out why they're trying to get to the stars later. But the fact that you gave them, they're, they're super geniuses, but you gave them some superhuman everyday characteristics too. everything from, you know, the mom yelling at the teenager not to make a joke about Uranus. And then she starts laughing when she tries to say something later. And there was another one that just slipped right out of my mind. I was thinking about, but uh, the teenagers, they do some very teenager thing. Uh, yeah. Some of it is just me. I mean, and, and cause Uranus jokes are unavoidable because you have to type these things. And, and it's so easy when you, if you're not extra careful to come up with like funny sounding sentences, and then you're, you're kind of stuck with them and you're laughing. So you think, well, I guess they would be laughing. Maybe I'm just immature. I don't know. No, no uh, I feel like sometimes is that, you know, somebody's going to make the joke. Anyhow, you might as well go there first. Yeah. But, uh, like I said, it was just those little human elements that I like, I, I thought made the story more interesting. Thank you. And I, I really wish I'd actually finished the, uh, and I don't know if I'm saying, pronouncing this right, the Themis files. Is it Themis or Themis? Ha, here's a little anecdote. Uh, the editor who bought the series, the, the first book, it was going to be self-published originally, right? And the first book, I had called it The Themis Files. And my editor didn't like the title in large part because he didn't know if he was supposed to say Themis or Themis. And that ended up being the series title. And the first book was called Sleeping Giants. So every time someone asks me, I, I think it's funny because we've had like a long, long conversation about renaming the first book. And then once you decide to rename it, you go through this ridiculous process where you kind of know you want, you know, something about big robot being buried underground. And so you're buried behemoth sleeping. And then you come up with 80 million synonyms for those two words. And after a day of playing with them, you can't, you can't see anything. You can't see the difference. You can't think. Mm -hmm. And you just go to bed. And a few days later, you somehow manage to agree on one. Yeah. That's like me coming back for a new vacation where my wife is, she likes trying to cut down all the pictures she's taken for a book. And so she'll give me a, like 17 pictures of a moose from a slightly different angle and then ask me which one I like better. I'm like, they all look the same to me or close enough that I don't care. Just pick something. And on a phone, it's you can't even look at them all at once. So you can't see the tiny differences. You just, you know, go back and forth. And they're like, this is the same picture. It has to be. And it's kind of like women's like, which pair of shoes do you like better? Aren't those the same pair? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but I, I think, too, I mean, if we talk about Themis, I think you said Themis. Is that what you said? You're I say Themis, but yeah. Um, but I just remember listening to these books, too, and there's and I don't know if she's, uh, is she, is she supposed to have a British accent? The mom? Is that what's supposed to be coming through? Uh, she has a bit of a British accent. Yeah. They're yeah. both British for real, so. Oh, okay. But a lot of the words, and I can't, I should have written them down at the time. I just kind of noticed them as we were going through, and I thought about it later. She says a lot of words, and again, I'm American. We, we don't really do the Queen's English down here. Um, 
She says a lot of words just slightly different than how I've pronounced them my whole life. And I'm just sitting, listening to the book is like, wait, is that how I'm supposed to say that? I don't know now. <laughs> it's like, have I, been I had the exact same reaction. Life? That's like I tell people I was like in my 40s before I finally realized that there is a difference between the pronunciation of forte, like this, you know, uh, it, which is from Italian, which is a musical note, and fort, which is from the French. Um, which means that something's your strong suit. You're not supposed to pronounce the E at the end. I'm like, everybody I know in America pronounces the E. It's not my forte, yeah. Exactly. I'm like, yeah. and then I just, I found out I've been doing it wrong for 40-something years. Well, the... If you say something's your fourth, though, it confuses the heck out of people, so I've just given up on that one. I'm like, <laughs> I'd rather be understood than be correct sometimes. <laughs> But I went online to check on the pronunciation of a few things because of the way Julie Bond pronounced them in the books, and she's usually right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I, I assumed as an American, my English was incorrect anyhow. So you know, I just figured that's that should be my baseline. The British person is probably saying it correctly. I was happy uh, voicing the uh, further reading section of the second book. It was much easier than the first one because of all the the german and especially of the russian names oh, uh <clears throat> it was endless like every two lines there was a word that i couldn't pronounce to save my life and so you spend like a half hour looking it up online to, to hear other people pronounce it and then you, you try to say it and you get it right a couple of times but to to get it right like this like as a single word alone is a completely different story than to get it right while you're reading, like trying to to keep yes, the yeah. flow going. And, and it's kind of stressful if it's not what you do for a living. Oh, I can uh, imagine. Yeah. I remember uh, I used to be a bookseller. Technically, I didn't quit and technically they didn't fire me. So I guess I'm still a bookseller. I'm just not working there. Um, but I, I realized I probably pronounced Rick Reardon's name incorrectly. Because I'd never heard anybody say it, yeah, uh, for years. And because you look it up online, it's like how do you pronounce this? And everybody's like Reardon. And then finally, I heard him talk or Reardon. Finally, I heard him say, it and I realized I've been mispronouncing it the entire time. I'm like, okay, that's how he says his name. I did go out of my way to find an interview where you introduced yourself so I could pronounce. Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna feel stupid if I'm just up here in Sylvain Nouvelle and I find out it's Sylvain Nouvelle. I'm like, well, right, I got that wrong. <laughs> oh that you know uh there's a there's a site called how to pronounce and it has a million things so and uh it, it popped up and i saw my name there so i listened to it and it was horrible it was just horrible was, and so i added the pronunciation so one of the pronunciations there is mine oh, nice. <clears throat> but <clears throat> but if you're an anglophone you can't you can't say it. There are two sounds in my name, one in each, uh, one in the first name, one in the last name that that people who were born and raised in English normally can't pronounce at all. So there's the nasal "in" in Sylvain and the E in Neuvelle. So my name is sort of supposed to be pronounced Sylvain Neuvelle, but no one does that. And when they try, it's usually worse. So That's I've gotten used try. to... Sylvain Nouvelle, and I, that's how I introduce myself now. I'm Sylvain, like the Carly Simon song. Mm -hmm. And I think the one that I saw was one where you actually did pronounce it the correct way, and I'm like, that's why I didn't even try. I'm like, 
I'm going to try. I'm going to sound like I'm trying to mock the French accent if I try to say your name correctly. No, I just kind of went with Sylvain Nouvelle because I don't think I can. I don't think I could pull it off smoothly. And I can sit here and try it for five times and get one of them right. <laughs> but I, but I didn't know if I was going to introduce you quite correctly if I tried to go with that accent. Now, if you're not sure, think uh, you're Sylvain. I bet you think this song is about you. Oh, well, hey, there you go. <laughs> I actually had not gone there, and that's kind of funny because in my head, almost everything is a song lyric. So, all right. So, um, so we do have a third book coming out. Man, I want to ask you so many questions, but I don't want to spoil it, and we've got a whole year to wait. So, let's get away from that. Let's talk a little bit about you then. Like I said, I, usually I talk about you and then go to the book, but I couldn't wait on this one because I love the book so much. You have got quite a collection of careers to pull from. Uh, when it comes to some of your stuff. Uh, if I remember correctly, you're a linguist uh, teacher in India, professor? I, not for long, though. I was there for, I was teaching other professors uh, and graduate students for about a month. Uh, yeah, I've had just about every job you can it, think it of. It still makes a great little blurb on your bio, though, you got to admit. Uh, you're teaching linguistics, um, software engineer. Why not? That, that one was on your list there. You, you've had a lot of jobs where people would be, you know, like, feel like that's impressive to be able to say I could do that. Author, software engineer, linguistics professor. And you've just decided to be an overachiever and do all of them. Um, I, I, I don't think it's overachieving. The, there's one, some people are real overachiever. Like they, they, they'll do one thing and then they, they uh, you know, they'll try to do a second thing and be the best at it and whatnot. I, if there's one common thread in the billions of jobs that I've had, is it's mostly that I, I went with the flow. Uh, e even you know now being a, a full-time writer, that didn't happen because I forced it. It just happened, and I I just ran with it. But and all of that, all those changes, and they usually come with moves. You know, I would change travel from one city to the next and then there was this opportunity to do something cool i'd never done before and i'd be like all right now let's do this uh and uh you know when the same when i i i went back to school after a while i got a ba in linguistics and i was gonna go do something else and my professors said you know if you apply to uh big american schools they might pay for you so I'm like, all right. So I applied to all, he said, apply to all the schools you think you have no shot of getting in. They're the ones that have the money. So I said, all right. I, I, and I ended up getting, uh, going to the University of Chicago. I, I got in at Yale too, but I, I, I went to Chicago, loved it, spent four great years there. And yeah, but. So, so what story brought you down to California selling ice cream? You know, I get Chicago. <laughs> I, uh. I bought a motorcycle. Uh, I didn't have a license or, or uh, you know, plates or <laughs> insurance oh, or anything. Uh, but I had the bike. It was old, old super old, Maxim 1100 anyway. And uh, it was with a friend of mine, and, and we just got bored. And, and we, uh, I'd gone to California in a car with a friend of mine before. And this time we took the bike. Uh, we didn't have any money. Like, we ran out of gas before we got to Buffalo and then had to find odd jobs and whatnot. And eventually we made it there. We stayed for about six months. Again, even over there, you know, I sold ice cream, but we worked construction. We did just everything you can 
think of. Yeah, I was having a hard time picturing uh, selling ice cream uh, over the bills in, in California. California, well, you didn't necessarily say L.A., but California can get a little expensive. Oh, yeah, it was expensive. But, I mean, we uh, eventually we found a job, like uh, someone's house working there. And so we were, we had a place to stay that sort of came with the job, which really changes everything. Uh, but yeah, I feel like you can get away with the no plates now a little bit easier. I swear when I was younger, I forget to swap out my tags, you know, cause I, I, I registered my car. I've got my tags. I just haven't put them on the plate and I get pulled over the last two years of the pandemic. I think the cops are like, I don't even care. It's like I see cars all along to all the rounds like that tag is from three years ago. I remember getting pulled over in New Mexico, uh, not by state, but by the sheriff. And I thought this is bad. So uh, <laughs> he he, you know, gets out of the car and he, he comes over and he says, show me your driver's license. And my first reflex is to start speaking French. Just. Mm -hmm. But it's super hard to speak French without saying an English word every now and then. If you're just rambling, you know, you'll say toaster, bacon, whatever, croissant, something you'll recognize and you'll know you're just messing with him. But I just kept babbling and babbling. And eventually he was getting a little frustrated. He took out his own driver's license and he showed it to me. And I said, it's you. <laughs> and he left. Hey, that, that'll work. Yep. Um... Actually, kind of reminds me a funny story. I lived across the street. Well, it was my grandparents' house, but the, their neighbor one time was telling me a story. I can't remember where he was going. I think it was somewhere over in Europe, uh, maybe Finland or something like that, wherever his wife was from. And he got to the airport, and I guess he got Sahara Krishnas started talking to him. I think you know, I think it was Sweden, because I think he, he said he realized after he said it, he told them, I don't speak Swedish, but he said it in Swedish. And outed himself. It's like, whoops. Yeah, you got you to be careful. With my luck, if I tried something like that, I can speak a little Spanish. I'd get some cop that was fluent, and then I'm like, yeah, I'm 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 lost here. That's all going downhill. What I was 18, though. I mean, I would never, in a million years now, you know, attempt to, to go anywhere without a license right. or or anything. I, you like my my bold years are long gone. <laughs> I didn't know there was a guy in. I think it was in Florida a couple of years ago that I read a story about where he got pulled over by the cops because his tags were expired by like 25 years. And he told the cops, I've been busy. Hmm. Like it's, it's good if you can pull it off, but I, uh, yeah, they, they didn't go for that one. One of the themes I saw in yours, and I love the fact that you've, you've included it, but I don't feel like you've got preachy, which I think can some, turn some people off. Uh, your, your last book did cover some things like, you know, for instance, client, climate change, things like that, but they're mentioned. They're not, you know, it's definitely presented as fact, but it's not necessarily beating somebody over the head with it. Uh, I did see that you also had some work in some soil decontamination. So is, is the environment, it is, did you do the job because of how you felt about the environment or did the job maybe uh, affect how you felt about the environment? That? Oh, ah, uh, I get political. This is just a one-off question. Yeah, it's that's not political. Uh, that job was weird. I <laughs> someone I knew was uh, 
engineer worked for this soil decontamination company and he needed help one summer. And I, I went for what I thought was going to be a few days, turned into a few months. And I spent a couple of years, I think three years, maybe working there doing just everything. I, I don't know if it made me conscious about anything other the fa- than the fact that just gas companies make a mess out of everywhere they go. We were just mostly decontaminating soil that was where, you know, a gas company was located before. Some spills every now and then, but it doesn't really focus your mind on like, we need to save the planet type of thing. Uh, but when I was researching this, I was reading about other things. And one of the things that, that strikes me, you know, reading about uh, climate change and the environment is how long we've known. I mean, it's not, there's nothing <laughs> particularly new there. We knew, you know, we, we knew CO2 w- w- would do what it does. We knew it uh, like a hundred years ago. We knew it over a hundred years ago and nothing has changed except that every now and then, once in a while, people would start talking about it. And what I found interesting and we talk about it a bit in the in the second book is for a little while there was a lot of talk about saving the ozone layer yep i remember that but no one cared about the environment like it wasn't like you know we need to you know we don't need the we don't want the sea rising or we don't want people to die or whatever they just cared about mostly skin cancer that was the thing and so <clears throat> we had to fix the ozone layer so we wouldn't get skin cancer but yeah i you know you i start reading about one thing and then i end up reading about another thing and a lot of them have to do with the 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 planet and so there's a little bit of that here and there the 98 was actually doing quite a bit of research because she thought the you know life on earth might be coming to an end which would make their entire thing a bit of a waste of time Mm -hmm. and maybe she could go surfing instead you know and uh yeah so i tried to just put it in because it's real and it's there but yeah there's no i actually love that you included a story too that because it's one that i used when they first started the whole before they called it excuse me before they called it climate change they were doing the whole global warming thing and I knew some younger people that couldn't understand why in the world older people weren't taking it seriously at first. And you brought it, you actually mentioned in the story the fact that she locks onto the fact that like we all knew about the climate change and stuff like that, but all they could focus on was the upcoming ice age. Uh, I think that was like a Time magazine cover and stuff way back yeah. in like the 70s. And so I was trying to explain to people, it's, like, it's not that we don't necessarily believe the science. It's just like 20 years ago, we were going to be in an ice age. Now you say we're in global warming, you know, it's, it's one of those things where yeah, the thing is, people are a little bit hesitant to just jump on whatever's being said at the moment. Yeah. The press is to blame there. I mean, I'd say, you know, 98% of scientists were agreeing back then too, but somehow, of course, the, the guy with the sort of far-fetched ice age theory is the one the New York times is going to publish because sells copies. Oh, New York times. I, I knew there was times in the title somewhere, but yeah. I don't know if it's the New York Times. I, I, I vaguely remember writing about it. But uh, uh, yeah, so it's, yeah. And then you go and you talk to people about global warming and they're like, but they, they're predicting an ice age, you idiot. And, and yeah. yeah. Uh, but the sort of the, the core science behind that it has been solid for the longest time. 
Uh, one of the things I loved reading about, though, it, when it comes to the environment is the beginning of uh, I-score research. Uh, because if you want to know if the temperature has been changing, you need to know how warm or cold it was, but not, you know, 30 years ago, just looking at the, <laughs> the right. old almanac or whatever, you want to know like 300 years ago, a thousand years ago, 10,000 years ago, 3000. And how do you, how do you do that? It's just looking at, at air molecules that have been trapped in ice and also the uh, you may have uh, snuck into your book. types of isotopes uh, in the ice sort of tells you a really a lot of what you want to know about to what the weather was like, uh, you know, a million years ago. It's pretty amazing. And I love the fact, like I said, you, you, you actually, that's another thing that you mentioned in your book. And a lot of this stuff is, you know, science that we've known, but your character's have a tendency to stumble over these things while looking for something else. Like I'm trying to get the answer to this and then I find out this. Um, but I think even your main character, um, she talks about it, at least in the second book, again, as you're saying, how long we've known some of this information. So I appreciated that. The test. I'm just going to ask you because that's the one I have not touched that one. I know that was a standalone. Um, what can you tell us about the test? Just because, like I said, it's the only one of your series that I haven't touched on. Well, uh, it's a small book. It's a novella. It's about 100 pages. And it's about dentists from Iran uh, living in the UK who has to take the British citizenship test. Uh, and bad things have happened. Uh, and so things have changed. They're a little more strict. And uh, he's actually taking the test for his entire family. Only man between the ages of making this up here but i think it's like 25 to 55 or whatever take the test and if he passes his he and his family can stay and if he fails they have to they have to go back uh uh and uh it is science fiction uh there is an element of of, of that slightly futuristic element in it uh but it's uh yeah it's a it's a book that's supposed to make you think and i think it works i was really proud of that that one it's super tiny but it packs a punch I was like, I've, uh, you know, I'm actually going to have to add that one to my list now, too. I've always found it very um, impressive, people, since you're talking about the citizenship test, people that make it as an American citizen and pass that test, because most Americans can't pass that test. And we live here, and we've, you know, supposedly studied the U.S. history for 12 years of our life. Well, not 12, maybe start when you're in third grade, but, like, we're supposed to know this stuff, and then we're expecting people to come over, we're supposed to know all this stuff that we don't know ourselves. Yeah, that test is a little more hardcore, though, the one I wrote. <laughs> gotcha. Well, like I said, I'm definitely going to have to give it give it a try. Um, got to add that to my list. I, I've, I think I've overstretched myself. I really thought when I started this thing that I would be maybe doing one of these a month. And I'm like doing it every two weeks and I won't go any faster because I, I feel like I'm not giving you the proper time to like, you know, read your books and stuff like that in between. And again, I'm all picking all authors that I've read before. But some of you have written a few books since the last time I read. I cannot keep up. Too, I like too many authors. Uh, I've done a lot of sci-fi, which, of course, brought me to you. But I'm one of those unfortunate people. Like, I know people that love mystery books. And I know people that love science fiction books. I know people that love business books. And I just love books. So I can't keep up with any genre at all. So a couple of questions that I've learned to ask over the course of time here, uh, talking to different people I've talked to. So a couple I want to throw at you. 
no pressure. You don't have anything prepared. Mm -hmm. Um, what is there something that you have always wanted somebody to ask about you that has never been asked, you know, like a, a, a secret, you know, thing that you're proud of, but never comes up in conversation, uh, Hmm. secretly a ninja or something like that i am a ninja uh i don't i don't know i i'm shy by nature i've learned to sort of overcompensate so i have a big mouth speak loudly i take up room wherever i go but a lot of it is a bit of a defense mechanism so i never really like talking about myself a lot gotcha well, so that was the wrong question to ask got it <laughs> <laughs> Um, so on a different tack, then what is there something, uh, a question that you want to be asked, not personal, something about, you know, your uh, writing, something about your story, something that you wish somebody picked up on, but nobody seems to have noticed that little Easter egg or, or, you know, thing that you're really proud of that you snuck in. There are so many, uh, but that I go, I go fishing for, I, once in a while I'll go online and use my social media to, to like run a little contest and then ask questions about all the bazillion little Easter eggs that are in those books. These ones are, are, are just cramming with actual facts. The, the first three books have just little things that I've added here and there, numbers that keep coming back. Uh, and, you know, if you, if you dig a little bit, you can figure out what that number is and why it's there, which has nothing to do with the story itself, though. Little movie references uh, in Waking Gods, I'm going to spoil it a little bit, but they nuke Madrid. And the plane that flies over Madrid uh, has this conversation with the, the tower. Uh, and they're using code names, uh, which are a reference to, uh, to a movie. I'm not going to say what it is, but if people want to you know, no, dig no, it up, go and look for it. So I'm always, you know, I'm always impressed and, and happy when someone comes back, comes back at me with a little nugget that I buried in there that like one person out of a hundred thousand will notice. But that's like, I always, and I don't know if you, have you ever read Ready Player One? You're allowed to say no. He's, no. Never read Ernest the book. Klein. The thing that I always thought was weird about the book, and don't get me wrong, I love the book, but I'm reading this book and I feel like there's a lot of stuff in here that is aimed at a very young audience and it is completely full of 80s references. So I'm getting all these 80s references and I'm thinking none of the young adults who are reading this have any clue what's going on except for poor people like my daughter who was raised by me um, who has you know had to live through all this stuff. But I just love those little things that you, uh, you're reading and all of a sudden you catch on to something is like, I'll bet you he's talking about so-and-so. Actually, yeah. I, I, uh, I put a lot of, of knowledge and, and trivia in my books, but I never wanted it to, to be necessary. You know, it's just mm. more like a little bonus piece of candy, like something. Here's a little gift while you're reading. I love those in movies too. I mean, you see it a lot more often now where, especially in like the superhero movies where the average person that's just going to watch the movie doesn't catch it at all. But the comic book nerd is like, that's from so-and-so. Yeah. <laughs> that's a reference to this thing um so one question actually that leads me i hadn't thought about this one before but i think it's a perfect question for you knowing that you do all this research and knowing that you love all these little facts and then you've got to figure out how to get them into the story what's a fun fact that you've learned that you just haven't figured out how to get into one of your stories yet something that you want to put in there sometime but you're hanging on to it or is that a spoiler 
Hmm. Well, I'm working on a few things. Uh, is there something I really, really want to, well, there's something I want to read more about. And, but it, it's kind of weird because it, it seems like it disappeared from, from the world. Not that long ago at MIT, they were working on something that would cure viruses, but mm -hmm. all of them. Because when a virus attacks a cell, I think it makes double-stranded RNA or something like that. Uh, we're going to believe you on this one. I, I, you know, I'm going to get it wrong. Don't listen to me, whatever. Read it, read it online. And, and uh, they're working on the thing that would recognize basically any cell that was infected by any virus. Interesting. And, and go kill it. And so now, I mean, and they, they had, you know, preliminary tests on, on in, in a lab or whatever that were really promising. And I've never heard anything about it again, ever. And if you're into conspiracies, you can think that, you know, no, big no, pharma like got in. Is like, I'm not yeah. a conspiracy like, theorist, but I can see somebody buying, you know, big Exactly. Pharma I mean, a, you know, it's like a Tucker man in his dream. And then, you know, Ford and GM just like ruin him or whatever. You, you can, you can sort of see the, 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 financial and political pressure that would sort of try to get something like that, at least if not stopped secret, but whatever, uh, right. conspiracy aside, I would love to know what they're doing with it, what, what's happening. I thought it was amazing. We can do cool things when we set our minds to it. Humans are, are actually pretty cool. Exactly. So what I'm going to ask you, um, just kind of a wrap up question. I do this for everybody. Give a shout out to whatever doesn't have to be, it can be, it could be a chain or anything, but you know, a local brick and mortar store that you like to go to. I uh, try to do things with uh, Saga bookstore in Montreal uh, as often as I can. They will host things. They're a little tiny bookstore that specializes in genre in both French and English. So they'll run, if, if the books are translated, they'll have it in French and English, which is super cool. And they do events and whatnot. But we're going to do shout outs since I'm probably not talking to a lot of people from Montreal. I would like everyone to go out to their favorite local bookstore mm -hmm. and ask whoever's there for a debut that came out during the pandemic. Okay. Because, well, lots of bad things happen and I'm not trying to compare, you know, people died. So that's not, it's, that's worse. Uh, but some people's dreams have been crushed. You know, if you, you'd been working, trying to get your first book published for like 15 years and it, and it came out during the pandemic, during BLM, during impeachment, during election, during whatever, and it went completely unnoticed. You'll never get, you don't get a second chance to have a debut. That, that's the thing. Right. That's it. So go buy a pandemic debut. Well, also, Anything. If I remember this correctly too, I think it was a little bit right before the pandemic. Um, I think we had a time too because obviously there's all there's like big five publishing houses, but I think there's only actual two places that actually print books, at least uh, you know the major ones. And I know that they were I think short on paper for a while, so there was just nothing being printed either, which made things that much more. Well, a lot of books got pushed back, and then they all came out at the same time. I mean, this is bad. It's just there was nothing good about the pandemic except for the five books that everyone bought on Amazon. They sold a lot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think Patterson only came out with like 17 books last year. So it was sorry. <laughs> it's like a slow year. Yeah. James Patterson is never going to be on this with me. That's all there is to it. But um, hey, I feel I feel justified, though, because he was one of the people on Castle and even Castle made fun of him in one of the episodes. So I, I figure he's got a sense of humor about it. Um, Probably. All right. 
So uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed talking to you about this. I know you said you're a little shy, but it does not come across. You come across as a very good speaker. Absolutely love these two books. Can't wait for the third one to come out. I, I know that it's going to have to take some sort of a different take from where it's going um, just because of how it ended. But I am super interested to see where you go with that. And I'm also super interested to accidentally learn about stuff that was way more exciting than anything I would have looked up on my own. I still love the Molly story uh, that you that you had in that first book, the genetics thing. I got a had a shout out to my daughter because she's always been a huge fan of anything to do with genetics. I'm going to make sure she knows about that. Fishbauer. Fishbauer. All right. I will, as always, give a shout out to the bookworm in Omaha since I'm down here in Omaha. If you're in the Nebraska area, 90th and Center, downtown Omaha. That's not. It just sounds better. Um, although it's getting close. Everything keeps moving west. It's going to be downtown soon. And just for an extra one, I will give a shout out to the Tattered Cover in Denver. So if you're ever in the Denver area, check out the Tattered Cover as well. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Novell, I appreciate it. Even if we don't have you back on, I, I may shoot you a thing once I read that third book, tell you, tell you how I felt about it. I, I have a feeling I'm going to like that one just as, just as well. Uh, oh, absolutely. Oh, one last Thank question. Thank you for having seconds. me. You're working on a couple of things. What else are you working on besides stars? Take you to the stars. Or things. Too early. Too early. Oh, it's oh, way too early. early. Okay. <laughs> you got to get through this one first. Got it. Yep. All right. So appreciate it. Everybody who's watching, um, I actually won't be back in two weeks. I think it's three weeks. And I'm going to apologize now because I can't remember next. Uh, uh, but I'm going to be on vacation. So I had to push a little back because I want to stay married and I'm taking my wife, uh, of the country. So again, we want to thank Mr. Novell for being on and everybody have a good one.